Good morning again, everybody. Uh, let's, give them, let's give them another hand. Uh, that was kind of something that, like, Ron has been doing praise and worship for us back here for a while now, helping out, and, and it's kind of, he had this idea about getting a students in kind of like an ensemble thing, so they worked really hard picking out the right songs, and, and just the last couple Sundays, just really, there wasn't a lot of work to it, because it just clicked, it just worked, so uh, it was an awesome job, guys. Um, as we go into the message, um, one of the things that, like, we all struggle with is this question that I'm going to present. And, you know, out of all the questions that Pastor Mark and Eric have done, this is something that, that you know, I know we've all, we've all struggled with them all, and this one is, is no different. Because there's often times in our lives we get confused by why things go wrong in our lives. How everything is going really great and then all of a sudden not so great. And it, it kind of leaves us kind of trying to determine what it is that, that made this happen. And one of the things we don't want to do, we, we don't want to come to the conclusion that it, it could be our own fault as to why things kind of go sideways in our life or why things like that. And so um, I want to look a little bit at a couple of different things in the Bible, uh, people. I know in the life groups, uh, the main part of, of the questions that God asked is going to talk a lot what, what the question that God asked Joshua. But if we flip that and we look at where Joshua's standpoint coming from, we see where there's a really good moment here where he uh, is turning to God and he's wondering why all of a sudden all these bad things are happening after everything was going so great? You know, everything was going so great after his, his great victory that God granted them in Jericho, and then they go on to the battle of AI and kind of went sideways. So we're going to look at, at the, the, this question that we all might ask, and, it, and even if it doesn't come off our lips, even if it doesn't come to the forefront of our mind, situations in our life happen that lead us to in, kind of in the back of our minds and the back of our hearts to ask this question, why me, God? Or why does this have to happen to me? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? All this lumps into that of how we don't want to say it because we feel like we're kind of charging God with some blame. Like, why, God, why? But we've all probably had moments in our life that we've either said that or it's kind of been there, but we, we didn't really acknowledge it. We didn't really say it, but we're still kind of wondering why me, God? Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this awesome start of baptism and celebrating that life and, and for also uh, the worship that we had, Lord. I pray now that our hearts and minds are in tune to you, Lord. We are going to listen to your word. We're going to listen to your message. And God, I pray that this challenges people. I pray that this steps on toes. I pray that this pushes people to become better, not to judge, not to call them out and, and put them in a spotlight and shine a light on them so everyone can see and condemn them, Lord. But we all want to come into that light so that we can have a better relationship with you. We can be that light to other people in our lives, God. Because all we want to do is serve you, Lord, and be used by you in this world so that we can save those that we love and hold dear. So be with us as we dive into this message. Just have the Holy Spirit speak to us, guiding us and directing us. In your son's name I pray, amen. So just two possible reasons just, just I'm, I'm kind of keeping it to two possible reasons to why this question might come up in our life. Why we say it, why we ask it, why we wonder it, why we think it, and all the variations that comes with it. Just two possible reasons. 
is one, um, you know, your life's going great and then something doesn't go according to your plan. Sometimes God just says no. Sounds odd, but sometimes God just says no. And a lot of times that, that contributes to his timing. He says no now, but it's just not the right time yet for this to happen or this to occur, for you to have this or for you to, to decide to do that. And the other is, you know, part of that is his purpose. You know, we, God has a purpose for us in our life, and we like to stray from that as often as we can when it suits us. So sometimes God just says no because it's not the right time or it's not uh, in his purpose. The other, and this is the one I hinted to earlier, that we do not want to really acknowledge that could be our own fault, is we have sin or disobedience in our life somewhere. Somewhere there's sin, somewhere there's, there's disobedience in there. And if we look at Joshua, uh, I, something I picked up on after this that really just resonates with me today is, you know, they had this great victory at Jericho. They're coming off a spiritual high, right? They saw God do wondrous things. God is with them. They had, they had this great victory. They're on a spiritual high, and they're moving on to the next thing. And, of course, Joshua doesn't really talk to God before moving on to the next thing. They're just, the, the people are just trying to take what was good here and just keep it going. Let's, let's just keep, let's keep the good times rolling, right? Let's just keep that momentum moving forward on to the next thing. So they didn't, they didn't consult God. And that's the hardest thing sometimes is going from this one spiritual, great, transformational moment on to the next thing. Because what resonates to me of that is, you know, in all my years of ministry, whether being in ministry or doing ministry, there's these moments that are just transformational. They're, they're, they're just these great moments, whether at a retreat or a camp or a service or wherever it is, man, just God moved. Lives were changed. Things were impacted. And, and I warn I, I warn this. You can ask any of them. I, I say this all the time leading up to something that we're about to do or we may do, and I, 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 I let them know that, hey, you're going to experience God changing your life, and the hardest thing to do is to go back home. The hardest thing is to go back out into the real world, transition to the next thing that's, that's occurring. It's difficult because kind of what can happen is you go from this, this great spiritual moment, transformational, move on to the next thing, and you may suffer defeats. Minor defeats, little things, or maybe big things. It doesn't matter. Now, I, don't, I haven't heard from their mouths that they've come back from an event like that and, and they're expressing these defeats to me and they're, they're, they're asking, why, God? I don't understand. I gave you my life at camp or retreat or, or this service. I, man, I felt you move. It's, it's transformational. and I was doing everything great. Everything was going to be awesome. And then why is this happening now? Why is this hardship coming upon me? Why isn't what I'm planning not happening. I don't understand. They've never come to me and, and I've never heard those words come out loud. But they're there, I know. Because it's just what we all wonder. We go through life, everything's great. You know, we know we just experienced God in a wonderful way and then something doesn't go right. And, and you know, that's what happened with Joshua and the people. They're, they're going something great, they're moving on to the next thing. They didn't really talk to God. And... Then he's left wondering after this defeat, why, God? I don't understand. You just helped us with Jericho. I don't understand. So we know 
kind of the answer to, to sometimes why that can happen. Um, and it's not nothing new. That we hear this, you know, I know Pastor Mark and Eric, Pastor Eric has said this several times, we've talked about the scripture, but John 16, 33 talks exactly why this happens. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's our answer. Why, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just, it's going to happen. There's going to be trouble in our lives. No matter whether, you know, from this God, awesome, transformational moment, moving on to the next thing, we're going to have trouble. And even in this moment, this is, this, the context of this is Jesus being really straightforward with the disciples. And he's telling them, hey, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be leaving soon. I'm not going to be here. And, and this past three years or so that we've had, and you see miracles and just this great spiritual transformation in your life. Yeah, well, you're about to be scattered back to where you came from, back to home. You're about to move on to the next thing. You're about to go back to, to kind of the real world, and I'm not going to be walking with you. Very, very similar situation here. But he, he tells him, but take heart. You're going to have trouble. He, he, he's telling him, so you're going to have trouble. You're going to experience hardship. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have, I have, I have won. I have been victorious. So he, he wants the disciples to find peace in that, and that's what we need to find peace in that as well, that we're going to face trouble. Whether there's, you know, we've done everything great and, and God was with us one moment, whether we have sin in our life or we're disobeying God or whatever, we're going to experience hardships. There's going to be moments when you're going to ask, why has all this bad stuff happened to me? I've been good. I've been faithful. And in the situation with Joshua and the Israelites, you'll dive deeper into your life group sessions, but in this situation, it's pretty clear cut as to kind of why things went sideways for them. One, Joshua didn't really consult God before moving on. And two, there's sin in the camp. There was sin, there was disobedience happening. And it kind of made their plans not go the way they wanted. Um, so th- th- that's what allowed them to, to suffer that defeat and so we may have something similar to that in our life. And maybe we're unaware of it. Because there was that, that sin, there was that disobedience in your life that you didn't know was there. Um, I, I really believe in our culture today, uh, I'm going to talk about sin, or, sin and disobedience here. In our culture today, we tolerate, um, and we tolerate a lot of stuff. And they've become the norm that probably 50, 20, 10 years ago, five years ago, we not, probably would, normally wouldn't tolerate. We become desensitized. We become numb to certain things. And so that, that makes it easier for stuff like this to slip in, especially disobedience. Because a great example of disobedience that occurred is with Lot and his family. Right? Abraham's talking to God, and God's saying, I'm going to destroy the city. It's it's full of sinful people. It's, there's a lot of disobedience, a lot of sin. I'm, I'm about to destroy it. But he's like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Surely there's, and he goes down the numbers, right? Hundred, two, you know, ten. At least there's ten people, right? There's, there's ten people, surely, that are good. And really all it came down to, the only people that was getting drunk, pulled out of that city is Lot and his family. And so they're good people. They, they made the cut, right? So here's what it says in, in, in uh 
Genesis 19, 17, he says, As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for, for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee from the, to the mountains, or you will be swept away. Here, so here's the instruction. Here's the plan. Flee, don't look back. Go all the way to the mountains. Don't stop in the plain. Keep going, keep going. But then we see what happens just a few verses later. Verse 26, but Lot's wife looked back, she became a pillar of salt. So, I mean, they were good people, right? That's what allowed them to be saved. So they, they exit, they leave, but what happened? Disobedience occurs. And this is where, you know, whatever, there's sermons and continue, you can go on a whole different tangent of breaking down Lot's wife and why she turned around, you know, it's her home or maybe she's fascinated, who knows, Right? But regardless, there was disobedience there to where apparently there didn't seem to be any disobedience prior to because that's what allowed them to come out. But that's where stuff like that can creep into our lives and we don't even know it. We're, we're, we're unaware that there is disobedience because there's sin. We're fully aware of sin. We, man, we, we're on top of that game every day making sure we, we don't let it in our life. And then but how much is there, you know, ob- obedience in our life? You see, because like Lot and his family, they weren't bad people. You, you may not be a bad person. You know there's sin in your life, and you fight against that every single day. You wage war against the enemy every day. But how obedient are you to what God calls or asks of you? How obedient are we when God is pressing upon our heart and our spirit to pay for the groceries at Kroger for the people behind us, to tap on the person in front of us in line and and share the gospel with them, to go outside of our comfort zone to really show love and and kindness that comes from God? How obedient are we to things like that? Because, man, I can, be the, uh, I can be a warrior and every day just fight against you, run that good race and, and fight that good fight, resist the devil. I can, I can flee from temptation. I can do all those things. But do I answer the call when God calls on me? Am I obedient to what he asks of me every day? I, there's difference. I can fight sin. I can resist it. I can exaggerate and say, I'm sinless right now. And great, that's great but am I obedient to God? Because sometimes that disobedience turns you into a pillar of salt. Not literally, thankfully. But it does stuff to us. It allows our plans to go astray. It allows us to lead to the question of, why, God, I don't understand. Why is this stuff happening? Why is, why is everything getting thrown off here? Now, I, I, gotta, I gotta do a disclaimer uh, we kind of know this, but I want to state it. God doesn't wait for you to mess up just to throw bad stuff your way. He, he doesn't do that. We, we should all know that, right? I got I to gotta repeat it. I got to say it because I think sometimes we go in our life and, and we forget that. Because a lot of people lead themselves to the question, why God? Like we're casting blame on him that he's just, he waited for us to sin. He waited for us to disobey and he's just throwing that bad stuff at us. That's not what he does. He does not do that. It kind of falls into that sometimes God has a purpose for your life. And then an even bigger thing that we're going to get into here in just a moment, that 
Sometimes that's preparation for something that's coming next. But you look at this where God, the other part, the possible reason to ask that question is God just says no, right? God just says no. You're, you're, you're doing everything great. You're, you're, you're resisting a devil. You're running that good race. Uh, you're obeying God. You're stepping outside your comfort zone when he calls you. You're doing all that stuff, but then something still doesn't go right. Something still doesn't go as you planned. A tragedy happens in your life, whatever it might be. And you're like, but, but, I, but I've done everything. I don't understand, God. Sometimes God just says no. Doesn't sit well with us sometimes. But let me put that in perspective. There's, a, there's an awesome moment uh, with Paul. I, I love Paul. He's one of my big hearers of, uh, of Scripture because, you know, man, if God could use a man like him, who he was, to be this great, on-fire Christian, man, he can use anybody, especially me. I just, I love, I love Paul. I love, he just has that fire in him for the Lord. So he is, um, in Acts 16, he, is, he has planned his second missionary journey. And so he is trying to go out, preach the gospel to those who do not know that Jesus is their Savior, trying to save them, and God tells him no. Not once, but twice. So it says here in Acts 16, starting with 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And you can see the little map there, kind of give you some visual of, of them going up, trying to go to Phrygia, and then, oh, let's, cut, let's, let's get into Asia. They, they, man, they, have, they don't know that Jesus died for them. They don't know, they don't know anything about him. We, we need to go do that great commission, be that light. So they go, and God says no. Paul's like, okay, well, you know, let's go to Bithynia. We can't go down to Asia. Let's go to Bithynia. They, they don't know Jesus. They need, they need saving, Let's go be a light to them. So they, make, they, make, they change plans. Goes to go to Bithynia. God says no again. So you can imagine Paul, all this time and effort, his first missionary journey was awesome. He's ready to do another one. It takes some planning. It takes some preparation. They know they want, they want to go. They're, he's being obedient, right? He's doing what God asks of all of us. He's He's going to preach the gospel to people who don't know who Jesus is. Yet God changes his plans, makes him have to rework some things, makes, makes a little bit of a struggle for him. And so, you know, it, we can kind of see that Paul would be confused by that and kind of wonder why. Now, he doesn't come out and say, we don't see anywhere in Scripture where he questions God. Because we see the answer to why God said no both times. If you jump down to, to 9, it says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. See, this falls into God says no sometimes because he has a purpose for you. It doesn't fit to your plan right now. It's not, not the right timing right now. But just Wait. Hold on. See, Paul understood that. 
He didn't cast blame. He didn't, he didn't shout, why, God, I don't understand. I'm doing exactly what you ask of us. I'm, I'm fighting that good fight. I'm obeying. Why can't I go preach the gospel to these people who need saved? Just wait. I have a purpose. I want you to go to Macedonia. They need to hear it. See, sometimes God just says no because he has a purpose and he has the right timing to do that. And we, 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 can't, we can't question that. There's so many other examples to the Bible where people have asked or thought of that question why. They thought to question God that way. Some of those situations are like Paul's where they had plans, other plans, you know, that they, they were going to follow, but God kind of changed them. And then there's some others throughout Scripture that things didn't go the way they wanted or planned because there was sin or disobedience in their life. You know, in a lot of those... Uh, cases the people really would have a right to ask why God their situations really kind of call for that but they don't because they know God better uh, first person that I want to mention is Job right Job served faithfully but man he lost so much didn't he the enemy wanted to attack one of God's faithful God says okay but just don't touch, harm him himself so his family, his servants, everything that he had, everything that he had built up and blessed God and thank God for blessing him, all that gone. We see here in, in, in verse one, it says, in the land of Uz, there was a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Did everything, right? He, he was a man who was upright. He was blameless. So he fought that good fight. He ran that good race every day. He shunned evil away from his life. Yeah, why did this happen to him? Why did he lose everything that God blessed him with? You know, and he feared the Lord. He feared God. So he did that. Now, he, he suffers all that, even to the point where his friends are saying, hey, just, just it's okay. I, man, if I'm in your position, I'd cry. Why, God, why are you doing this? I'd blame him. We all do that too. Like I said, we may not come out of our mouth, but somewhere in the back there, we're kind of wondering, we're questioning. Why? I don't understand why this is happening. I, I think I'm blameless. I'm upright. I'm a good person. I fear God. I shun evil every day. I obey. Why? I don't understand. But see, here Job knew better than to question God. He knew better than to cry out. And, and even though he's wondering this, God knew his heart. It says in verse 22, it says, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It's okay to wonder sometimes. It's okay to have that linger in the back of your mind of why is this happening? Because if, as long as it leads you to finding the solution, leads you to making a change in your life, that's fine. But if you throw that out there to charge God with wrongdoing, that's where we're going to run in some serious trouble. Another example, Daniel. He uh, served faithfully, but he got thrusted into a culture and lived in a culture that was opposed God. Right? So we see that in verse 1. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Daniel didn't ask for that. He served the Lord faithfully, he was obedient. He didn't ask to be take, his land to be taken over by a heathen king, and, 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 and be forced to, to change him. 
He didn't ask for that. So you kind of see what happens here. It says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter in the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So here they are, Daniel's serving faithfully, gets overtaken, and now he's forced to not just live in an occupied land now, but he's forced to get his previous culture erased and learn a whole new culture that is completely against God, completely against his ways. I mean, Daniel even was resistant to eating of the, the king's food, which many would have a jump, uh, you know, every chance to jump at. So he, in the midst of all this, in the midst of this hardship, did not charge God with any wrongdoing, but continued to live and serve faithfully because God had a purpose. And God used Daniel in that, in that situation. Through several different stories we read and, and moments where not just Daniel, but even the other three had done some really amazing stuff to impact those around him. Enough for kings to change their heart. God had a purpose. God had a purpose for that. And it wasn't because Daniel slipped up and disobeyed and he waited to throw bad stuff at him. God used him. And the last one is another big hero of mine in scripture. Um, just his, his, his heart for God is David. You know, there, he had two opportunities to end his hardships. The hardships that come upon him, he had two opportunities to end them right then and there to be able to go back to normal. All he had to do was kill Saul. All he had to do was kill King Saul. This is the king who hunted him and even killed anybody who is in association with him. Killed a whole, a whole plethora of priests from Nob just because they helped out David. You see, instead of ending his suffering in a moment, not just once but twice, he listened and he obeyed God. We read in 1 Samuel 24, the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. So this is the first moment there. David and his men are hiding in the cave. Um, Saul's on campaign. He's repelling the enemy as well as trying to hunt down uh, signs of where David was. He goes in this cave to relieve himself and the men around David are saying, this is it. This is that chance. You can end your suffering. You can take, you can take your rightful place as king. This is it. We, we can go back to the palace. We can go home. All David did was crept up and cut off a corner of his robe and even by that, he was conscience stricken. Even that just... He didn't like it, to the point that when Saul left, he ran out to the mouth of the cave and shouted after Saul. Now, if a man who's hunting you down, and you, hey, I'm right here, you wouldn't do that, right? But see, David obeyed God. And then the second chance you see later on in chapter 26, it says, so David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul, lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. 
Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who could lay hand on the Lord's anointed one and not be guiltless? So another opportunity. Everyone's asleep. He's right there. David, David served God faithfully. God was with him through Goliath and through all the other battles under King Saul's reign and, and was victorious. But then now all of a sudden he's running for his life constantly, year after year, being forced to go live with Philistines, the enemy. And here's a moment where he can end it all by getting rid of the man who caused all this. And he says no. Very, very strongly, he says, who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David obeyed. David knew. It's not the right time yet. It's not God's purpose. God, God anointed Saul. God anointed him. He was God's anointed king. David's not the one to, to tamper with that, even if it means he continues to go through hardships because it's God's purpose. It's God's timing. God says no. So you see, there's many more examples to the Bible where people experience pain. And some of them lead to asking God, why? Why me? Why, why bad stuff always happen to good people? I'm decent. I'm good. I fight sin every day in my life. Am I obedient? Well, yeah, most of the time. But why, why can't I, my plans go right? Why? Why are you keeping me from this, God? Or why are you keeping that from me? But let's look at this pain a little different. What, what if we looked at it from a different perspective? What if instead of asking God, how could you let this happen? We ask God, what are you preparing for me by allowing me to go through this now? What if, what if, we, take, what if we rethink that pain that we go through? And instead of charging God with wrongdoing, what if we say, God, okay, what are you preparing me here for? Because you see, sometimes he will say no because it's part of his will and timing. And sometimes we go through things because of sin or disobedience in our life. We need to be able to discern the two. We need to be able to have a relationship with God enough to know, am I being obedient? Do I have sin in my life that maybe I'm desensitized to or numb to that I didn't know? Or maybe I'm doing everything right, but maybe God's just telling me to wait or, or he has a different purpose for me than what I plan. That's what we need to discern by because God knows the future. He has a plan for our life. The things he allows us to go through now can help us better prepare for something down the road. Every day is preparation for the next day. Every day is preparation for the next day. Everything that we face, everything that God throws, that, 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 that allows to come into our life can all be used to help us for something else that comes our way. So, the students are going to do a closing song here and this is a song where it's an opportunity that I, that I want you to challenge yourself. I want, I want us all to, to examine our relationship with God and ask ourselves, is there sin in my camp? Is there sin or disobedience in my life? Because once again, I, I can't stress this enough, we can fight that good fight every day. 
But if we don't obey what God asks of us, we can't go halfway. So is there disobedience in your life? You really got to really take it to God and know because we can't lean on our own understanding, right? I can't think, oh, well, no, I'm, everything's going to be good because we're going to justify things and connect dots that don't need to be connected. We're going to do that. We need to let God and, and, and the scriptures help us figure out if there's something that we need to change. Am I being disobedient? And then if you're doing all those things, if everything is great and dandy and you're, you're going from this one awesome moment, transfer, transformational moment in your life and you're moving on and you're consulting God, you're talking again, and things still don't go right, talk to God. See, maybe he has a different purpose for you. Maybe he has a, maybe he has a different timing that needs to be worked out for you to, to go here or do that or have that happen. Take that pain of that, that, that hardship or whatever it might be that's being thrown at you out of the blue. Rethink it and say, okay, God, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are, are you using this to equip me for something greater coming later? Every day is preparation for the next with God. He doesn't send us out in this world just on our own. He's there. And if things go wrong, we can't charge God with wrongdoing by saying, why, God? Why do bad things happen to good people? So use this opportunity to examine your relationship with God. God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for just all that you do for us, God. And I know, Lord, that there are moments in our life where we stumble, we fall. We fall short of the, of the glory of you, God. And there's moments, God, that, that we are fighting, we're resisting the enemy as much as we can, and, and you're just, and, and, but we're not obedient to you. You're asking of us to, to go outside of our comfort zone, but we just, we're afraid to, or it's too uncomfortable, God. So Lord, if any of us in here are struggling with those things, struggling with that, that sin in our life, or, or disobedience, Lord, I pray we get it right right now. And then God, if there's somebody in here that, that has done all those things, that, that, have, that are obeying you day in and day out. They're, they're serving you faithfully and still things don't go right, God. I pray that you put on their heart, God, that, that you're still there. You didn't abandon them. Reveal your purpose to them, God, so they can better serve you. Give them patience to wait it out. Allow them to, to, to redirect that pain from from being of why, God, are you letting this happen to what are you preparing me for? Let us use this time right now. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.